Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in the world today in bringing in your harvest and um, bringing in your uh, man-child ministry to restore what's been stolen from your church. And um, we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to call this Apostate Church Witchcraft Number 3. And I'm going to start off with um, The Harlot and the Beast. Um, Well, you know, Babylon, um, in the largest sense, is the whole world, obviously. Because in the beginning, the waters were gathered together in one place. Uh, The earth was one also. Genesis 1, 9 and 10. Uh, Man and his language was one upon the earth. Genesis 11 and 1. And God saw that their unity was causing them to be a God unto themselves. Genesis eleven four through six, and this was the first Babel, and it was the whole world as we know it at that time. Verse nine, and God humbled them by confounding their language and spreading them out on the earth, which was then one land mass. Genesis eleven, seven and eight. And uh, in Psalm 104 and 8, God caused the mountains to rise and the valleys to sink. And before this time, uh, the flood only had to cover short mountains. In verse 6 of that. And um, separating into continents and islands, the landmass, and even further separating mankind so that they wouldn't um, be their own God. And that's Genesis 10, 5, and 25. But all nations are thus from Babel and have the sins of Babel in their blood. And now a spiritual Babel is being built. You are United Nations of the world. We know we've had the old United Nations, which turned out to be another fizzle pretty much. But right now there is a United Nations of the world being put together. (laughs) Some people don't see that, but that's okay. It's happening. And I believe the results will be the same. You know, Revelation 16, 18, and 19, Babylon was and is both secular and religious. There are larger and smaller types of each. 
And, for instance, the larger type of secular Babylon is the whole world. And a smaller type is the U.S. as uh, ruled by the deep state. Um, I think I'll take a little time to prove this to you uh, by looking for a moment at religious Babylon. In Revelation 17 and 5, she is called Mystery Babylon the Great the mother of the harlots of the abominations of the earth. And we're told by many Protestant churches that the mother is the Catholic Church. Of course, the Catholic Church is a mother, yes, a type and a shadow of this, and all the Protestant churches that came out of her, you know, prove this. And... Um, but all these other churches that came out of her, <laughs> it seems to be very uncomplimentary of them because these Protestant churches um, uh, in this title, the daughters, are being called the harlots. The mother is the great harlot in verse 1. Now, we know the Catholic Church is only a smaller type of a much larger type. Right, This mother is much larger and older than the Catholic Church. Because in Revelation 18 and 24, it says she is guilty of the blood of the prophets and of the saints. Well, in order to be guilty of uh, blood, you must either physically kill or spiritually kill because you do not warn them of their sins and instead teach them to sin like in Ezekiel three eighteen and 19. And con continuing with verse 24, it says, And of all that have been slain upon the earth. So, let's see. We go back to the prophets. That's before the Catholic Church. And all that have been slain upon the earth, that goes back before the Catholic Church. So, you cannot blame the Catholic Church for the death of the prophets. Um, that was Israel's apostasy, and it was before Catholicism existed. So, so the all mentioned here is beyond their scope, too. Jesus said that Israel was guilty of all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of Abel, the righteous, unto the blood of Zechariah, Matthew 23 and 35. So, according to that verse, members of the mother harlot existed from Israel all the way back beyond Cain, right? Yeah. So, the mother is the corporate body of apostate religion, of a great falling away that started from the beginning, you know. And uh, the daughters are the members of the body just as the church is a corporate body and the individual churches are members of it. The harlot rode the beast with the seven heads identified in Revelation 13, 1 and 2 and Daniel 7, 4 through 7 by the beasts, which were symbols of world-ruling kingdoms. An example would be the lion with the eagle's wings was the symbol of Babylon. And also the 
leopard of Greece and the bear of Medo-Persia on down. All these were called beasts, you know. So, and of course, they were all guilty of blood, you know. And in Revelation 17, 9 through 11, the seven heads are seven mountains. And this is not the hills of Rome, which could be a symbol of that, but uh, seven kingdoms uh, from then up until now. And that's uh, seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And they are seven kings. Five are fallen. That's Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Media, Persia, and Greece. One is, that is Rome. That was the legs that went all the way down to the feet, right? Um, the head that was smitten unto death but revived in Revelation 13 and 3. And the other is not yet come. That's corporate, worldwide, revived Roman Empire, the dragon of Revelation 12. And when he cometh, he must continue a little while. And that is only three and a half years. And the beast that was and is not is himself also an eighth. Uh, so the beast of Revelation 13 and is of the seven. Okay, it's of the seven, but it's an eighth. Because everything is in the eighth, right? The eighth kingdom is made up of all of the seven world empires. Because their seed is still with us, you know. They uh, they lost their dominion in their time, but their lives were prolonged in their seed, and we have them with us today. And the woman sitteth upon them. The woman that is from the beginning sitteth upon them. The mother of the harlots, the great harlot, right? And uh, on all seven, they, she sits on all seven. So these uh, kingdoms have lost their individual dominion, but their lives were prolonged according to Daniel 7 and 12. And they are still with us, exercising dominion corporately in the end time, one world beast. So the coming of Christ will destroy all these kingdoms together, according to Daniel 2, 35 and 44. So in the aftermath of uh, World War I, they, uh, the world came together in fear of uh, a worse holocaust, and they decided they needed a, quote, man of peace, and the League of Nations was born. And um, it, was, it wasn't given any authority or power. The nations demanded their individuality. So they didn't give any teeth to that beast. And the aftermath of World War II brought another fear and uh, a desire for unity, which brought a revision to that beast. And then they called it the UN. Now the world is coming together again, crying for peace and safety, as the Bible says. What what does that bring? Sudden destruction. Um, so the approach 
the approaching war could be the one that brings forth the next revision of the beast, which will be called the dragon. And it will be Satan's body, just as the dragon is in Revelation 12. All Everyone in the world is a member of that body who is not born again. So in Daniel's revelation, he deals with the beasts from his time and forward and not with Egypt and Assyria, which were before him. Daniel 7 and 23 says, The fourth beast, counting Egypt and Assyria, this is the sixth beast, actually, shall be a fourth or a sixth kingdom upon the earth, meaning all four, actually six going back to the two before him, are still on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms. And um, in other words, they're going to, this one's going to be corporate in nature because it is the first to become a kind of a United States of the world and is going to devour the whole earth. In other words, the whole earth will be inside of this beast. So, who can make war with the beast? Well, you can have a civil war. Yeah, they can make war against itself. Well, we like that in America right now. The deep state's trying to kill all of us, and then the alliance is trying to kill the deep state. So there's a civil war right there. And it's in all the world. So inside the fourth beast are all the other beasts, which are also the whole earth. The whole earth is made up of the seed of these kingdoms. There's only one corporate kingdom that has the seven heads and the ten horns, uh, in other words, all nations, and it's the UN, but which is now being preempted by an alliance of nations where all the militaries have joined together here to overthrow the Babylon deep state. So uh, so the end time beast of Revelation 13 uh, has within it every tribe, people, tongue, and nation whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, Revelation 13 and 7. So the sixth verse of the sixth chapter of the sixth book of the New Testament identifies the beast. It's the corporate old man who is the enemy of God. It's the old man of all the wicked out there in the world. It's the old man of the church who is their greatest enemy, right? And that's Romans 6 and 6. Sixth book, sixth chapter, sixth verse. The mother harlot has exercised religious authority over the beasts throughout history. The Catholic Church is only a smaller type of a larger Babylonish religious system, as the U.S. is a smaller type of secular worldwide Babylon. And as a small type, it will incur the same judgment as the larger type. As an example to the world, many will say that they do not see the United States in scriptures. 
and I've heard it a lot. But that sounds ludicrous. It's not reasonable that what is arguably the greatest nation on earth would not be mentioned in the Scriptures. Hmm. So they're missing something, and I can tell you what it is. The letter has blinded them from the Spirit. All you have to do is identify their nature, what they do, their scope, and you know who they are. So the U.S. is now at the pinnacle of influence over the world uh, through the U.N., NATO, foreign aid, military strength, trade, and many other avenues. And now they are leading the world into Nasara Jasara. Every other world ruling power is mentioned along with their destruction. So the U.S. is not left out. It makes uh, It's a ridiculous statement by people who only know the letter. In an article we called uh, Tremble Ye Women, I explained how the Lord identified the U.S. as Babylon to me. Many proven prophets and teachers have identified the U.S. as Babylon. Uh, after being told by uh, the angel of the Lord that America would be destroyed, Dimitri Dudeman asked for biblical proof to show the Americans. And the angel said, tell them to read Jeremiah 51, 8 through 15, and also Revelation 18, clearly identifying America as Babylon. So, you see, um, this is what we're dealing with. The whole world is inside the evil one. So, and we, of course, are inside the great and holy one, Jesus Christ. So, I'm going to turn a little bit here to 11, as opposed to the truth, and uh, and the bride. In the church of my youth, I always felt the spirit and the joy in worship and fellowship, which was good, and God did not condemn us for that. I I was young in the Lord, and they were too. <laughs> and some of them still are, babies with beards. Um, all denominations have a peace of the Lord, and they just reject one another's peace. And that's what makes them a denomination or a sect or a division, all of which Galatians called a work of the flesh. So you can see uh, the problem runs deep and far. Um, but the doctrine of my church was leavened, just as in all churches that don't teach and act on the pure word. And as it was with me then, uh, you, you'll need to know how to outgrow all of that in order to be birthed to the next level. And this is the way to the bride. Let's go up to Zion, right? The way to the bride. She sits on the highest level of heavenly Jerusalem and includes the man-child leadership in her body, just like David was included in Jerusalem and ruled over Jerusalem, which ruled over the other tribes, right? And uh, those who don't outgrow sects, S-E-C-T-S, to be one with the holy elect 
as the Shulamite did. Uh, Shulamite means perfect. She was the bride, um, and she was called that in Song of Solomon, the perfect one. The, in other words, the matured one. Um, so, many who will never be in the bride and instead will be relegated to the queens, concubines, and virgins, you know, admired the bride. And um, Song of Solomon 6 and 8, I'll read on down. It says there are threescore queens and fourscore concubines and virgins without number. But my dove, my undefiled, or my perfect, is but one. She is the only one of her mother. She is the choice one of her that bear her. The daughters saw her and called her blessed. Yea, the queens and the concubines, and they praised her. So the bride will be taken into the house of the king on spiritual Mount Zion. <clears throat> the queens, the concubines, and the virgins will uh, cry to look again at that which was pleasing to the Lord. In other words, what made her the bride? What? Why did he choose her? You know, they want to know. Um, and before that, they hadn't really desired to be that, as you can read in the Song of Solomon. What is your beloved above all the other beloveds? Um, verse 13, Return, return, O Shulamite, they say. Return, return, that we may look upon thee. Why will ye look upon the Shulamite as upon the dance of the Mahanam? Well, the thing that causes us to outgrow the immature churches is a respect for the Word above all else, including the idolatry that Christians have with these false institutions. And uh, the Word has to be respected above all of these. Our protection from this deception is always a love for the truth and a hatred for the leaven of lies that's being spread by the churches. And so a person who loves the truth will be led there by the Lord. Second Thessalonians 2 and 9 says, Even he whose coming is according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceit of unrighteousness for them that perish because... They receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God sendeth them a working of error, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be judged who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The reason people turn away from the truth is because they have pleasure in their unrighteousness, and they don't want it to be uh, cause of condemnation to them. You know, the constant feeding on lies and false spirits uh, must be departed from before the seven years or one will miss the bride who is chosen before the seven-day-slash-year marriage feast. That's right. The marriage feast is for the seven days. 
and the bride has to be the bride before the marriage feast, right? Has to be chosen to be the bride before the marriage feast, before the seven days. So you see, here we are. We're coming to the beginning of the seven days. In Exodus 12 and 15, seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. Of course, this unleavened bread is the Word of God, and Jesus is the Word of God, and, and we must be the Word made flesh like He is. So that's why we absorb the Word. We eat the Word, right? For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Why is that? Because they are leavened. They're leavened by the word that they eat. We can only have the unleavened bread because that is what creates Christ in you, the hope of glory. So when there is idolatry with the institutions of men, which holds fellowship and submission to them higher than fellowship and submission to the word, and uh, the more righteous uh, that we open ourselves up to, uh, the deception that comes from the Lord himself. So the Lord is going to deceive those who love uh, their ears tickled, basically. The denominations of Israel were deceived um, and didn't recognize the Lord. And the church has followed the pattern because the things that have been are the things that shall be, and the things that have been done are the things that shall be done. There's no new thing under the sun. Israel was simply the Old Testament church, right? So now the church has followed in that step, and all of the denominations don't recognize Jesus, the one who is coming. Ezekiel 14 and 1, Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me, and sat before me, and the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, these men have taken their idols into their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired at all by them? Hmm. Therefore speak unto them and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Every man of the house of Israel that taketh his idols into his heart and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and cometh to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him therein according to the multitude of his idols. And he will deceive them. He'll send them a delusion that they believe a lie. You must get rid of idols. There is only one Jesus, and he's only described in the Bible and not by the religions. And uh, these signs will accompany them that believe, right? So, verse 5, That I may take the house of Israel in their own heart, because they are all estranged from me through their idols. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord, Return ye, and turn yourselves from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. For every one of the house of Israel, 
or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel, that separateth himself from me, and taketh his idols into his heart, and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and cometh to the prophet to inquire for himself of me, I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. And I will set my face against that man, and I will make him an astonishment for a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people. And you shall know that I am the Lord. Cut off from the midst of his people. Does that mean they don't still go to church and worship their idol? No, it doesn't. That's the problem. They're not coming out from among them. The early disciples came out from among them. He went into the sheepfold, Jesus did, and he called his sheep by name, and he called them out. And these come-outers were actually the church, which, is, which means called out ones. So you see, it's not those that are in the apostate church that are the people that God has chosen. And you shall know that I am the Lord. And if the prophet be deceived and speak a word, I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet, and I will stretch out my hand upon him and will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel. So just like the people, so are their prophets. Uh, with the scriptures uh, that we've looked at, uh, I've only scratched the surface of the problem, but I have great hopes for you to outgrow religion and follow the Lamb with us so ever he goeth. So be blessed, friends. Get in the Word. Don't go to church until you find out what the church looks like. That's what the rest of those people didn't do. They wanted somebody just to tell them how it was. And so they got somebody, which was a cookie-cutter leader, uh, made in these um, um, abominations. And uh, they let them give them uh, their impressions of what the Lord is like and what he wants. Well, you have to go look for yourself. You do. So, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about the false prophet and the religious harlot. So, experience and the Word have taught me concerning prophecy that if the majority of God's people believe anything, it must be wrong. God hides His truths in dreams or in visions that are parables, and in the Old Testament, which is a parable, and even in the New Testament, which is a parable, and a lot of people don't realize that, so that the false prophets and the carnal Christians cannot see them. And Jesus said that in Matthew thirteen ten through 13, basically. But uh, privately, he explained uh, these revelations to his disciples that he only shared in parables to the multitudes. So he hides truth from the wise and the understanding, uh, of this apostate religious system, and he reveals them unto babes, Luke 10 and 21. So he reveals his hidden truths to those who are faithful. Revelation 2 and 17 says, To him that overcometh, 
To him will I give of the hidden manna. So it's hidden, but he reveals it to those that are overcomers. In other words, they're doing what they know to do. They're obeying what they know they need to obey. So John's revelation was given to him as a parable from Jesus. If it were literal, the false prophets would know what is going to happen. And uh, that country is contrary to that is contrary to Jesus, his own words. That they wouldn't know. So when the disciples were young and under the law, they didn't recognize the false prophets. As a matter of fact, they respected them. And so it is today. I want to show those of you who have eyes and ears who who the false prophet is and what is his work. So the false prophet in Revelation is a corporate body of religious leaders that to the trained eye resemble those of Jesus' day because history always repeats. And since Jesus' day is a type of the coming man-child's day, we know there are going to be false prophets, plural. In all of the New Testament writings outside of the book of Revelation, we are warned that false prophets, plural, would come. And they're here. And in Revelation, false prophet, singular, is used in an allegory or a parable. Okay, so uh, then you have to interpret the parable. Why are all of the uh, entities in the book of Revelation corporate bodies? All of them? Because it's a worldwide happening. Not like some people think something just happens in the Middle East. It's a worldwide happening. Since Jesus and Peter and John said that in the end time, many false prophets, plural, shall arise, then the false prophet in Revelation is a symbol of a corporate body, like the rest of the characters that are corporate bodies in Revelation. It's the only way that all verses concerning false prophets can be right. And we do, the sum of thy words is true, so we do have to include everything in our revelation. Um, Matthew 7 and 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. They want to devour the sheep and their tithes. Matthew uh, 24, 11, And many false prophets shall arise and shall lead many astray. And verse 24, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Yes, indeed. So, false prophets fit the type and the shadow of history according to Jesus. And Luke 6 and 26, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. For in the same manner did their fathers 
to the false prophets. And Peter also said that there would be false prophets among us, Second Peter 2 and 1, but there arose false prophets also among the people, as among you also there shall be false teachers. It's always plural. And John also said that many false prophets would speak for Antichrist. First John 4 and 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but prove the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And every spirit that confesseth not Jesus is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Well, notice this carefully. Notice that every false spirit is the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, they're telling you that the Antichrist is an individual. Wait a minute. Read the text. Read it carefully. That's the problem. People eat the word like hogs. They just swallow it without chewing it, you know. So this is a corporate body, okay? A corporate body has a head. Uh, the head of the body of Christ, Bible, by the way, is eye, ear, nose, and so on and so forth. It is a, and these people are all identified uh, in the head as a corporate leadership. So part of the strong delusion, uh, as King James calls it, taught by the false prophets is that we are to be looking for the coming of a man called the false prophet. While the biblical corporate false prophet is here and in the pulpits already. 2 Corinthians 11 and 14. And no marvel, for even Satan fashions himself into an angel of light. It's no great thing, therefore, if his ministers also fashion themselves as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Well, you might think, David, aren't you sharing God's secrets with the false prophets? Oh, we don't have to worry about that. They are too proud and blind to admit that they have passed on the lies uh, and the traditions of men, so they're not going to give it up. I've seen that myself. So the traditional church government today uh, breeds false prophets by disobeying God's written order of church government. Jesus raised up the apostolic fathers to found the church on a five-fold ministry of men who are spiritual specialists in their field. Proverbs 11 and 14 says, Where no wise guidance is, the people falleth. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So he ordained his church that way. And we can see how they departed from that. You know, Jesus Christ is the Spirit, 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-five, and the head of his body, the church, Ephesians 5 and 23. His headship is manifested physically through the fivefold ministry. 
in Ephesians 4:11, he says, and he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Mm-hmm. So note that the pastors and teachers are grouped together in this verse, leading some to believe that there is only a fourfold ministry. <laughs> However, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 28, only teachers is used for teachers and pastors and evangelists uh, making only a threefold ministry. <laughs> so I would like to point out that pastors are teachers who give guidance and evangelists are teachers of the lost to bring them to Christ. So grouping to the two together or three together does not mean that they are the same ministry, but that they are all teachers in some form. And the different name identifies what they teach, making them different ministries. So the members of the head represent these different fivefold ministers. Apostle is a Greek word for one sent forth, and they are sent to raise up churches and set them in order. The apostles are a kind of a jack of all trades with a little of the gift of the rest of the fivefold ministry so they can discern the elders that they only are called to ordain. So uh, in the scriptures, apostles ordained these elders. The elders weren't assistants to the pastors. <laughs> they were the fivefold ministry. Acts 14 and 14 says, But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul, and verse 23 says, And when they had appointed for them elders in every church, so they ordained the fivefold ministry, and they ordained the elders in every church, because they are one and the same. Paul's brethren were called apostles, Second Corinthians 8 and 23. Whether any inquire about Titus, he is my partner and my fellow worker to you, word, or our brethren, they are the messengers the Greek word is apostolos, our brethren. They are the messengers, those, those sent forth, right? Apostolos of the churches. So Titus appointed elders in every city of Crete. Titus 1 and 5, for this cause left I, left I thee in Crete. He was an apostle. And he was ordaining the elders in Crete, which were the fivefold ministry. And thou shouldest that thou shouldest set in order the things that were wanting, and appoint elders in every city. So elders are ordained fivefold ministers, not assistants to the pastor. That's the Nicolaitan error that God said he hated. In Acts 20 and 17, when Paul called together the elders at Ephesus, he named them the bishops or overseers who fed the church there. So they're all bishops? <laughs> yeah, that, that just means overseers. Who is the overseers? The fivefold ministry. Acts 20 and 28, Take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit hath made you bishops, 
He's talking to all the elders. Now the bishop is somebody over the elders. Now they promoted themselves. You know, they got a name, a new name, right? I'm a bishop. I'm not just an elder. I'm not just a pastor. I'm a bishop. Well, <laughs> well, now you can see that's ludicrous. The Holy Spirit made all these elders bishops, overseers, to feed the church of the Lord, which he purchased with his own blood. So these are the ones who feed the church. These are not assistants to the pastor. These are the feeders, the teachers, the pastors, the so on and so forth. Uh, so even apostles are elders, according to 1 Peter 5 and 1, 2 John 1 and 1, 3 John 1 and 1. When the, the legalists were trying to bring the Gentiles under the law, the apostles and the other elders were gathered to consider this problem, Acts 15 and 6. And together the elders made a decision in verse 22 and set their findings to the rest of the church, 15 and 23 and 16 and 4. So let's consider the other elders who are members of the head. The prophets are the spiritual eyes of the head, and uh, they see what others do not. Isaiah 29 and 10, For the Lord hath closed your eyes, the prophets. There's a part of the head. Okay. And all vision is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, because they are false prophets. Right. The pastors or shepherds, same word, uh, are the nose of the head because they lead the local body of sheep to pastures with a discernment that is neither from eyes nor ears. There is no such thing as an assistant pastor in the Scriptures. You either are a pastor or you are not. See, we got to get back to the Scriptures. Teachers are the ears of the head. Solomon asked for an understanding heart in 1 Kings 3 and 9. And in verse 12, God granted him an understanding heart. The Hebrew word for understanding in both verses is hearing. They didn't have to have a head jam full of knowledge. They heard from God as, they, as it was needed, right? I was first ordained uh, through an apostle to be a teacher and later a prophet who knew nothing of this saw a vision of me with ears as big as an elephant's. And uh, because I had ears to hear what God was saying, especially when I read the scriptures and so on. And later the Lord appeared to me twice and reordained me to another office which was confirmed by other ministers. God does reordain some to other offices sometimes. Paul was an example of this. He was a teacher who was then sent forth, meaning an apostle. Acts 13 and 4, 1 through 4. And from here on, Paul was called and called himself apostle. Some ambitious folks today just claim both offices. <laughs> Using Paul's words in 2 Timothy 1 and 11, 
whereunto I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. But preacher is not an office, and teaching is what he did, not his office. Right, he was an apostle. So the evangelist is the mouth of the head because he speaks to those outside the body. It takes all of these ministers to perfect the saints and to raise up others into the head. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints unto the work of ministering, unto the building up of the body of Christ. But speaking truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, even Christ. Now, when Jesus came, who was an apostle too, according to the scriptures, he was sent forth. When he came, um, he was the one that raised up the apostles. And then they went and raised up the fivefold ministry. So now when the man-child comes, it's going to be the same way. The man-child is raising up apostles. And the apostles will then bring back the fivefold ministry. Okay. So through this method, individuals in the body have a portion of these gifts so that they may be guided and used personally by their head, who is then their Lord. And this is why Satan wanted to replace the fivefold ministry with a man-made one-fold ministry called the Nicolaitan Air and destroyed the scriptural government of the church. The false government is easy to corrupt, and the saints are not perfected by it, according to the Scriptures. It's easy to corrupt because you're putting all, every authority and power in one man, and he gets puffed up, and he doesn't, he's not been an overcomer in order to be given uh, authority. So therefore, he falls, and he takes the church with him. God never wanted a king over Israel. Men did. They said, make us a king to judge us like all the nations. 1 Samuel 8 and 5. Does pastor, assistant pastor, and elder sound like president, vice president, and cabinet? Well, the church has copied all the nations as Israel did. God gave Israel the king they wanted, saying that they have rejected me, that I should not be king over them. Verse 7, God has given the church her kings too. God also warned Israel that their king would take their children to serve him and would charge them a tithe of everything for his service. First Samuel eight, ten through 18. Sound familiar? Yeah, pastors without any scriptural foundation tell us that the Lord did away with the fivefold ministry after the apostles died. What verse? Not so. It was a long time after the apostles died that this began to turn into the Nicolaitan era. And the Catholic Church introduced priests, which basically were that Nicolaitan era, and uh, the Protestant churches carried on with the same 
habit. And actually, it was uh, false prophets who did away with the fivefold ministry. Uh, in our worldly system, the, ba- the pastors usurps the authority of the rest of the fivefold ministry. And I've heard pastors who are not even filled with the Spirit claim that today they are the prophets when they expound the Word under the anointing. How can they have the anointing? They've rejected the Holy Spirit. So as far as the fivefold ministry is concerned, uh, where in the Scripture does the pastor take authority over an apostle, prophet, or teacher? Or vice versa. In the world, do doctors take authority over lawyers? Or vice versa? Does it make sense to be given authority over another's gift that you have no expertise in? If a prophet speaking in the Spirit is told to shut up by a pastor, then God is told to shut up. Many can exercise the gift to prophesy, but the office of a prophet is that of an overseer who has authority in the body. Remember that the fivefold ministries are are overseers or bishops, as we saw, who are specialists in their field with authority only in their gift. Some people like to jump outside of their gift and take authority. Well, each is a portion of the head of the body of Christ and necessary for the guidance of the body. However, when one of the fivefold minister falls into sin or gets deceived, the rest have authority to correct, discipline, or throw them out. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. And this ensures the safety of the sheep. The false system of shepherdship is uh, the Nicolaitan error, which Jesus said he hates in Revelation 2, 6, and 15. Nicolaitan comes from two words, Nikeo, meaning to conquer, and laity, meaning the people. Uh, this was and is a privileged order who consider themselves above the common people as mediators between them and God. Ministers are to make disciples of Jesus and His Word, not themselves and their traditions. The Protestants falsely copied the Nicolaitan error from the Catholic Church, which partially took it from the Old Testament priesthood. And Jesus constantly denounced this worldly relationship between the ministry and the people. Matthew 20 and 25. But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Not so shall it be among you, but whosoever would become great among you shall be your minister. And the Greek word there is servant. 27. And whosoever would be first among you shall be your servant. And the Greek in this one is bond servant. Verse 28. 
even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, uh, and the Greek word is served, uh, but to minister, and the Greek word is serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even the Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be humbled. Because there are many that do that. They claim the names of all of these fivefold ministers, you know. Some of them think they are actually all of them, you know. And they jump from... Uh, all the way up the line, they think, and they I've seen them do it, especially when people get faction on them. They already take authority over the elders, over the ministers. They always do that because it's a demon spirit that wants to take over the church. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be humbled. And whosoever shall humble himself shall be exalted. So just as the Spirit of Christ is manifest through men, that's the true prophet, to lead his female body, the church, uh, the Spirit of Antichrist, 1 John 4, 1 through 3, is manifested through men, the false prophet, to lead his female body, the harlot. Both bodies are female because they receive a seed, one from Christ, which is the word, and the other from Antichrist, which is the apostate word. The overwhelming majority of it out there, these people are not ordained to be any minister. They simply paid their dues to go to school and come out with a certificate. It doesn't work that way. So let me show you that the false prophet uh, beast in Revelation is a member of the harlot. Most agree that the second beast in Revelation 13 is the false prophet. He is given authority by the first beast for the second stage of the last three and a half years of the tribulation, Revelation 13 and 5. He's identified as a beast because he is a corporate body, as is every other prophetic beast in the scriptures. Revelation 13:11 And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like unto a lamb yeah but he's not the lamb right and he spake as a dragon mhm and uh he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his sight in other words he is a member of that first beast body too because they're doing their own thing. They're not following the Lord. And he maketh the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose death stroke was healed. Do you see anybody out there worshiping somebody who's building a one-world order? Hmm. Here we see that the false prophet masquerades as the Lamb. Two horns like unto a lamb, but he speaks as the world and Satan, and he spoke as a dragon, which is a beast. 
So this second beast in chapter 13 is also identified after the world beast in Revelation 16 and 13 as the false prophet. This imposter leadership before the harlot has a form of godliness, 2 Timothy 3 and 5, but is carnal and can only teach a worldly corruption of the word. They are actually a mouthpiece for the world um, in the apostate church. It was said of the world beast, Revelation 13 and 5, and there was given to him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. Blasphemy means to speak against. These apostates speak against. Blasphemio is the word. Blasphemio. God, with their hypnotizing, ear-tickling doctrines of all flyaway, unconditional eternal security, worldly prosperity, greasy grace, and anything but the self-crucifying truth. The false prophet is a corporate body within the corporate body of the harlot, which is female because they receive the seed of Antichrist. And in verse 15, we see the female body of the false prophet. And it was given to her, it says in the original Greek. It was given to her to give spirit, which is uh, the Greek also for breath, right? Uh, to the image of the beast. Bible numerics show a perfect pattern for her and spirit. It was given to her to give spirit. So, Bible numerics proves, this perfect numeric pattern proves the word there is her and spirit in the original Greek. And uh, the most accurate New Testament, the numeric English New Testament by Ivan Panin, there is no pattern in he or it, which the rest of them followed because it was their intelligence that made them do that. They didn't respect the word enough to just do or interpret what was actually there. So in Greek, uh, breath and spirit are the same. Numeric shows beyond a shadow of a doubt which words are correct here. In the rest of the text, this false prophet is identified as male by the same numeric pattern. A translator would have had to respect the word enough to ignore his own reasoning to simply translate what was there. Most are not willing to go out on a limb and look foolish when they do not see the reason because they follow reason. A male who is also seen as female is clear proof that God is not speaking of an individual here, but a corporate body of people. In parallel, we are the male body of Christ made in His image. 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. But we are female in another type, Ephesians 5, 22 through 25, being married and submitted to Him to receive his seed, which is his word. So let's see this corporate false prophet 
and his relationship to the harlot in another parable. <clears throat> we know that Ahab represents the ten-horned beast who was being ridden by Jezebel, 1 Kings 18, exactly as the harlot rode the beast in Revelation 17, 1 through 3. They ruled over the apostate ten tribes. There's your horns. They ruled over the apostate ten tribes, or horns, who were also those who worshipped the image of the beast, the golden calf. Oh, so it's already been written in scriptures before you even get to Revelation. And the corporate mother of the harlot sects of Christianity uh, leads them into the great tribulation and death unless they repent. Revelation 2 and 20, Jezebel teacheth and seduceth my servants to commit fornication with the world beast. 21, and I gave her time that she should repent, and she willeth not to repent of her fornication. Behold, I cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of her works. And I will kill her children with death. Her children are the members of her body, right? Just like the harlot. And all the churches shall know that I am he that searcheth the reins and the hearts, and I will give unto each one of you according to your works. So like the harlot, Jezebel was guilty of the blood of the prophets and of the saints. 1 Kings 18 and 4, 2 Kings 9 and 7, Revelation 18 and 24. In Revelation 17 and 16, when the beast is through using the harlot, he devours her. And so it was with Jezebel, who was devoured by the dogs. 1 Kings 21 23, symbolizing the unbelievers. And Mark 7 and 27, or the beast. Okay, the beast is going to devour the harlot. They don't like her anyway. They don't respect her anyway. Uh, the true ministers of God are fed at the church's table. 1 Corinthians 9, 13 through 14. And the false prophets are fed from the harlot's table. 1 Kings 18 and 19. The prophets of Baal, 450. And the prophets of the Asherah, 400, that eat at Jezebel's table. The two categories of false prophets represent the two horns of the false prophet in Revelation 13, 11. So find out who Baal and Asherah represent in modern times, and you will know who the corporate false prophet is. These two have their roots at the Tower of Babel and were originally Nimrod and his wife Semiramis. Genesis 10, 8-10. They created the original harlot religion that spawned all the rest. They're a type of the great corporate mother of harlots of all of history. Revelation 17 and 5. And upon her forehead a name written, Mystery Babylon, 
the great, the mother of the harlots and of the abominations of the earth. So she is the great harlot, Babylon the great, but she is the mother of the harlots. That's the Protestant churches. (laughs) So when Nimrod died and Semiramis, later called Asherah, became pregnant, she claimed that Nimrod had become the sun god, later called Baal, who then, by virgin birth, was reborn as her son, Tammuz. A likely story, right? She was just in fornication, wasn't she? Sure. So, um, and Tammuz was, in this form, the son of God. Yes. So these original Babylonians worshipped the false father, son, and virgin about 2,300 years before the true virgin birth. Samarimus probably knew of the prophecy of Genesis 3 and 15 concerning the virgin birth seed of the woman. And if she didn't, the devil did know. So with the confusion of languages and dispersion at Babel, this legend went throughout the world and these three were given different names in different cultures, many of which are in the Bible. The golden calf in Egypt was a symbol of the father, Baal, in the son. And remember, Pharaoh's title meant great temple of the sun god. He was considered the great temple of the sun god. So sun images all over the world and in Catholic and Eastern churches symbolize the false sun. And as we saw in the previous chapter, the Israelites with their golden calf thought they were worshiping YHWH, sometimes translated into Yahweh or Elohim, the true God. But it was Baal, another Jesus. One horn, the 450 prophets of Baal, represented those who teach another Jesus. This is the apostate Protestant ministers. The other horn, the 400 prophets of the Asherah, represent those who worship the Virgin. These are the Catholic, Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox, and many others that are into Mariolatry. Mary is, of course, our sister, and we love her, but she is not the mother of God, (laughs) as they say. Here's the proof. Romans 1 and 3. Concerning his son, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh. So Jesus' flesh was the seed of David through Mary which was the promised seed of the woman in Genesis 3 and 15. Mary is the mother of Jesus' flesh, which is son of man, not son of God, who was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. Now, okay, so she only made his flesh. That's not this. This is the son of God inside the son of man. She was there to bring forth the flesh. 
She wasn't an immaculate conception either. That's some more baloney that came down from the Catholic Church. It's ridiculous. So, and that's the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus' spirit, man, was the Son of God. And Jesus agreed with this saying, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So God progenitored the spirit man, uh, and Mary progenitored the carnal man. Okay? So she is not to be glorified any more than the rest of us. Okay? He chose her because she was uh, innocent and pure, I'm sure. Uh, but as I've shared before, he also chooses us for the same reason. John 3 and 6. Some would say that the two horns are the apostate leaders of the Christian religion and the leaders of false religions. Well, I guess you can see a parable there. Uh, the same verses usually address both greater and lesser types, and the greater type is the most complete usually, uh, and it's the most complete fulfillment, and all the Babylonish religions will be gathered together in the end-time harlot. Okay, I want to share this revelation. Uh, we called it Overcoming Babylonish Distractions. And this was given to Missy Pola, uh, 11, 12, 23. There are two types of Christians in the world. Those who put their own worldly pleasures first which are Babylonians, and those who are truly born of God and put Him first in everything. So what I'm going to share with you here below is a warning about Babylonian distractions. Missy said, I dreamed that there was what looked like a stereo system playing a radio with a man speaking and the volume was turned up too loud. It was black and was about 18 inches by 18 inches in size. 18, of course, is the number for bondage, and black is darkness. Okay. I couldn't understand what the man was saying, but his words sounded all jumbled up. It didn't seem to be a foreign language, though. Uh, Babylon means confusion whether it be Babylonian apostate Christianity or secular Babylon, I don't want to receive their leaven or propaganda news, she said. There are many distracting voices of spirits that I need to cast down. And I asked David to turn it down, and he did, but it was still loud. Well, I know what the Lord spoke to me. I have done this by teaching against Babylonish distractions. But this is saying that more needs to be done. It was still loud in people's ears. So I'm teaching again. So it seems that the, the loud speech represents the distractions of Babylon that everyone individually has to overcome 
to concentrate on God like the women uh, trying to read the Bible, which we're going to show you below. So these distractions were pointed out by Jesus in his parables, uh, like Luke 14, 15 through 24. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. So the bread that we eat is the scriptures. Jesus was the word and the bread that came down out of heaven that gives life to the world. Verse 16. But he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and he bade many. And he sent forth his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. Ah, they're putting something ahead of the Lord here. And this is excuses to not partake of the words of life that Jesus was serving there. Oh. So the first said unto him, I have bought a field, and I must needs go out and see it. <clears throat> I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I too go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. So these have absolutely nothing to do with eternal life. <laughs> Wouldn't you think eternal life would be more important? Of course. Uh, and uh, verse 20 goes on. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Mm -hmm. And the servant came and told his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, oh my goodness, God is angry that you put anything before him and his word. Did you notice? Said to his servants, Go out quickly and into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, Lord, what thou didst command is done, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and constrain them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men that were bidden shall taste of my supper, because they were idolaters. They put something else before the words of eternal life. So, the Babylonish distractions with no eternal value, kept these people from partaking of the words of eternal life. And when I was young in the Lord, I was captured by the word. It was not me. I, I was not a studious person. Uh, but I was captured by the word and the grace of God and his anointing. And it began to read and I began to read it day and night, day and night, day and night. I soon realized that all of the hobbies that I had loved so much were just laying around gathering dust. I didn't have time for them any longer and started to sell off or give away what was once a very loved distraction. Like my TV, my gun collection, my race car, my brand new Z1 street bike I converted to a chopper, my bus camper, 
uh, dirt bikes, ski boat, my Cadillac, my trailers, uh, my torch, my welder, expensive reel-to-reel stereos, uh, flushed, I flushed my marijuana, finally, alcohol, and, and tools of all sorts. Some I took back to Exxon, where I stole them, and uh, I got them, <laughs> and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that was close to 54 years ago, and I've never regretted it. You know, that was my life. I never regretted it because of the grace of God that was moving in me, and it can be in you, too, if you're being distracted. And I settled down into many years of study of the Word, which was not my nature before believing the Bible was the Word of God. So getting rid of distractions came to me because God worked it in my heart to will and to do for His good pleasure. And He will do it for you too if you ask Him to. Matthew 22, 1-14 And Jesus answered and spake again in parables unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king who made a marriage feast for his son. That's got to be the unleavened bread, right? The marriage feast for the son, Jesus, was what he was feeding spiritually to in his words that the people were feeding on. And he is the word himself. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word, And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He said, except you eat my body, and he was the Word made flesh, and drink my blood, which means to partake of his nature and DNA through the Word, you will have no life in you. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the marriage feast, where he was feeding this very important thing. Uh, And they would not come. They wouldn't partake of the word of life. And, and, And they were born, they needed to be born of the word. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them that are bidden, Behold, I have made ready my dinner, My oxen and my fatlings are killed. So he said, my meat is to do the will of my father. Which will was revealed in his words. My fatling are killed and all things are ready. Come to the marriage feast. But they made light of it and went their ways. One to his own farm another to his merchandise, and the rest laid hold on his servants and treated them shamefully and killed them, as you know the religious leaders did in Jesus' day. But the king was wroth, and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned their city, which actually happened in 70 A.D. and is happening today too, as you will see. So then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they were bidden. They that were bidden were not worthy. Why? They were distracted. Go ye therefore into the partings of the highways, and as many as you shall find bid to the marriage feast. And those servants went out into the highways and gathered together as many as they found, both bad and good, 
which to a Jew actually meant uh, somebody that wasn't of Judaism um, and or somebody that was, okay? Both bad and good. And the wedding was filled with guests. But when the king came in to behold the guests, he saw there a man who had not on a wedding garment. So putting on the wedding garment represents putting on the works of Jesus as in Romans 13, 13 and 14. Let us walk becomingly as in the day, not in reveling and in drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and jealousy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the wedding garment represents. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That's a different garment there, spotted by the flesh, right? And uh, also Revelation nineteen seven and 8. Let us rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Let us give the glory unto him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And it was given unto her that she should array herself in fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Everybody is going to be judged according to their acts. And this garment is the righteous acts of the saints. Some people say you don't have to have works. You have to have the works of God. It has to be the works of God through you. By grace, if you can say through faith, and that's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For in Christ Jesus were you created for good works. Oh. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Because he was told, once saved, always saved. <laughs> no, I added that in there. Okay. Then the king said unto the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast him out into outer darkness. There shall be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So notice who are chosen. Those that are not distracted by the worldly things. Luke ten forty one and 42. But the Lord answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. For Mary hath chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Oh. So Mary was sitting at the Master's feet, listening to the eternal word, and it wouldn't be taken away. So, um, she went on to say, I asked him to turn it down again. And David seemed a little annoyed that I asked him again. <laughs> I, I think this is possibly because it is the individual's responsibility to tune out Babylon and its pleasures, to follow after God and feed on his word that we may grow into the 30, 60, and 100-fold fruit of himself. It's the individual's responsibility. We can tell them you should do this, but they have to do it. And I told him I couldn't concentrate with it being so loud, and then he turned it down again, but it was still too loud. 
So I believe this is maybe taking the warning in these parables of the Lord, uh, which will help us to tune out the world. So hesitating, not wanting to take authority, I turned it down. That's that's the way it's supposed to be right there. I shouldn't hesitate to take authority because I've been given authority by the Lord over all the power of the enemy and authority to lay my life down. But it only got louder. I tried again to turn it down, but it didn't lower the volume. I told David I wanted to read the word, but I can't concentrate. And I asked him if we could turn it off. Of course, that's what I did. (laughs) I turned it off. It wasn't there anymore. All those distractions got rid of them. And of course, uh, you can turn it off, get alone with the Lord, and speak to Him, and listen to Him and His Word, which recreates Him in you. Self-works can't save us. God will help us to do it through our faith in Him. Mark eleven twenty three and 24. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou taken up and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that what he saith cometh to pass, he shall have it. Therefore I say unto you, All things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So there's your quantum mechanics faith, right? And by the way, that word is received them. Amen. Quantum mechanics. We just studied that. It's very neat. Shows you that God prepared the whole creation to meet your needs. All you have to do is have faith and see it the way he sees it. So there were other sisters sitting at a table with their Bibles, and I said to them that I can't concentrate when I read my Bible if there's something playing. One sister spoke up and said she couldn't either, and others seemed to agree. I don't recall if anyone got up and turned it off. But what comes to me about this is that I have to take authority and to put to death the deeds of my body, not listen, watch, or read anything that would diminish my faith. I need to walk by faith and not by sight. And I can't do that if I'm feeding my flesh with things that get me to look at the things that are instead of seeing or imagining things according to God's promises in His Word. So these distractions, they can grab you. Remove them. I asked the Lord for a verse by faith at random for this part of the dream. Isaiah 51, in context 1 through 3. Isaiah 50, 1 through 3. Thus saith the Lord, Where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, wherewith I have put her away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities were you sold, and for your transgressions was your mother put away. So now we see one of the major transgressions is distractions. Wherefore, when I came, was there no man? And when I called... Was there none to answer? No, they all had excuses, Lord. Uh, Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? 
Yes, you see, you can go to God. He will deliver you from the distractions, right? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stink because there is no water, which represents the word. And they die for thirst, which is what's happening. I clothe the heavens with blackness, and I make sackcloth their covering. Then the scene changed, and David was walking outside as several people and I were following him. All disciples, learners, and followers of Jesus in the man-child. I believe this is represented by. There were some men that came up to David, and he stopped to talk to them. The men joined the rest of us, and I knew that we were all going to do kingdom work together. We all continued to follow David, which I think represents the man-child ministry here. And as I looked at David... I noticed his hair and thought, his hair is still gray. It hasn't turned darker yet, which he's talking about the restoration, right? So just as a side effect, when I read this, it reminded me that once when I, thinking about my choice of a new body, I didn't believe people would recognize me without this gray hair. So I have left that up to the Father, (laughs) And I still have. I was thinking about DNA restoration that the man-child will receive at his anointing. Uh, Youth renewed as the eagle. And however, gray hair uh, represents wisdom too. Jesus in David is, is the wisdom of God. And that's the end of the revelation. So I asked the Lord um, for... A verse by faith at random for this part of the dream. I got First Chronicles 17 and 19 in context, uh, 19 through 27. O Lord, for thy servant's sake and according to thine own heart, hast thou wrought all this greatness to make known all these great things. Oh, he is doing it. O Lord, there is none like Thee, neither is there any God besides Thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like Thy people Israel, which is a type of the church, whom God uh, went to redeem unto Himself for a people, to make Thee a name by great and terrible things in driving out the nations from before Thy people, whom Thou redeemest out of Egypt." For thy people Israel didst thou make thine own people forever, and thou, Lord, becamest their God. And now, O Lord, let the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house be established forever, and do as thou hast spoken. And let thy name be established and magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God of Israel, and even a God is to Israel, and the house of David, thy servant, is established before thee, for thou, O my God, hast revealed to thy servant that thou wilt build him a house. Therefore hath thy servant found in his heart to pray before thee. And now, O Lord, thou art God, and hast promised this good thing unto thy servant. And this is going back to the place where they were following David as a type of the man-child, right? 
Uh, and now it hath pleased thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord, hast blessed, and it is blessed forever. Okay, I'm going to share this right here. It's called President Trump's Seduction Attempt. Missy Pollock, or Pollock, excuse me, I should call it Pollock. Uh, 10-5-23. I dreamt that I was standing in front of President Trump as he was sitting at a desk. He was telling me something, but I don't remember what it was. I do know, uh, though, that I had a sense that I didn't disagree with him, nor did I have any negative feelings about what he said. Then I was in the house, and I grew up in, and I was in my bed and in my bedroom. The house represents uh, the Harlot Church denomination that um, she grew up in, and the Lord, uh, and in the bed bedroom uh, represents being asleep. Okay, President Trump was there, and he gave me a hug. I was okay with the hug at first, but then he started trying to seduce me, and he even somehow managed to kiss me right on the lips. Ugh. She makes a funny face here. As I kept pushing him away. So, let me say, many in the Babylonish apostate church are seduced by President Trump, uh, by a patriotic spirit, and they idolize him, uh, and they're giving him credit for what God is actually doing. And although his reforms are great, and we should worship only God. They are seduced by his kiss, meaning his words, which have been his promises to make uh, America great again. <laughs> okay. So, and of course, um, uh, I don't disagree with a lot of things that he has done. My mother was over in the next room sleeping, and I told him to stop uh, or she was going to wake up. So the mother church is asleep and not aware of the seduction happening right under their church roof. <laughs> Soon some will wake up when the judgments come on the Babylonish church and revelations made known of government and church leaders. Uh-huh. I looked to see if my mom was still asleep, and I heard her mumble something and stir, but she didn't wake up. But that didn't stop President Trump from continuing to try to seduce me. End of the dream. Well, it's true. People get seduced by preachers. They get seduced by uh, prophets. They get seduced by uh, leaders like President Trump, who is probably one of the best we've ever had. But... I got to tell you, it's still leading towards a beast kingdom. Yeah. So, Media Persia, Greece, Rome. Media Persia conquered Babylon, which was a beast kingdom, and Media Persia was also a beast kingdom. Hmm. So, sacrificed by false religion. This is Marie Kelton, 11, 16, 23. I had a dream where I was in a white room with a window along with a bunch of people. 
and it was night. I saw this white woman there. The white woman, I believe, represents the original church who is righteous by the blood of Christ. I do not know if the Lord was next to me or an angel, but I saw three cards which made me think of witchcraft. The first card was a soccer ball that was red with black patches on it. Red and black represents anarchism and communism. It was cut partially open, and I knew it represented the white woman who I saw. And I saw the second card. It was of the Pope, dressed in his fancy garments, with the scepter in his hand. And the third card I saw was of a cardinal, dressed in all white. Well, we know that the Pope and the cardinals represent Catholicism or the universal church. Okay, so I've seen that this is used to show uh, the church around the world, basically. The universal church who represents the false leadership in the Babylonish church worldwide. So it's much bigger than the Catholic church, but they're a type and a shadow of this. Okay. The pattern markings on the soccer ball are same as that of adrenochrome formula. That's, that's true. The adrenochrome is a chemical compound produced by the oxidation of adrenaline, uh, epinephrine. Um, the molecular formula is C9H9NO3. So in, in July of 2018, at a press conference in Helsinki, Finland, Russian President Vladimir Putin tossed a soccer ball to President Trump. As he said, Mr. President, I'll give this ball to you, and now the ball is in your court. And he did uh, turn over to the president (laughs) the adrenochrome factories uh, that he conquered and destroyed. And he was talking to the president every day he was doing that. And, and also the trafficking of the children. You know, he was doing a great job for America, something the president, uh, our president, couldn't do. So, uh, and he was speaking concerning his cooperative efforts in Syria, which I'll leave you a link there for that. But President Trump, Putin, and the alliance have been working to bring down the deep state and their crimes against humanity, uh, human trafficking, pedophilia, adrenochrome, etc. Don't I don't argue with any of that. I'm so glad of it, right? I'm just telling you where it's all going to lead anyway. Then the scene changed. She said, it's daytime and I'm in Chicago at my old house in the kitchen next to the table. Okay, so uh, the old house represents the church denomination and the kitchen represents where their food is prepared. My mom, I believe the Babylonish church, is talking about the blue, that is heavenly, and white, which means purity, laundry, uh, which is, again, our works. Our clothes are our works. 
that folded on the counter next to the stove. She tells me that now I can wash my blue headband, representing heavenly submission to the Lord, that I wear in real life with the white clothes, and it won't get damaged with bleach. Bleach is used, of course, to whiten things. And then she said, because the Father is big enough to circumference the earth. I then had a vision of the earth in space. And then I looked at the TV, and the news was being broadcast. It was night, and there were searchers looking for a white woman who got washed away in a flood of really dirty water. Well, the flood of really dirty water represents the unclean word being preached by the Babylonish church leadership, who are themselves defiled and will bring their church down in judgment. Okay, this one we're going to call the swamp creature. Samuel Fire, six twelve twenty three. I saw something terrible and gross, to say the least. I saw a man that was trapped in a swamp. And he said, this reminds me of the Slough of Despond, or Swamp of Despair, from the Pilgrim's Progress. The etymology uh, for despondency is despondent condition, a sinking or dejection of spirit, from loss of hope or courage in affliction or difficulty. We all go through testings of depression, distraction, etc., and this man gave in to these lies, hence he is trapped in the swamp. The swamp represents the Babylonish confusion. And then there was something like a squid or octopus on the land. And he says an octopus spirit is a ruling spirit that is operating in conjunction with various tentacles, which are demonic spirits and sins of the flesh. The head uh, is typically a spirit of idolatry or witchcraft control. The creature had many tentacles. Each tentacle resembled more like a python snake with slimy stuff all over it. Its mouth was located at the bottom and in the center. Well, a python uh, cuts off the breath, right, or spirit uh, in its victims. And the mouth at the center represents the false teachers. This man had gotten into a trap with one of these creatures, and fought for days to get free, desperately trying many things. He had a knife, and he cut off a tentacle, and he managed to pin another tentacle under his feet. Well, uh, they said doing this represents self-works to set himself free. Only Jesus can free us completely from the religion and its many bondages and demon spirits. There are demon spirits, by the way, called religious spirits that uh, actually want to keep you in a religion. 
and not outgrow it and not be of any threat to the kingdom of the devil, right? Eventually, the creature had wrapped around him so much so that the man could not move an arm or a leg. Strangely, the creature did not kill him straight away, but held on to him and slowly moved the tentacles around him tighter and up to his head. The man then resisted one last time, and instantly the creature went intensely tighter and broke all the man's limbs and he died. So, he has a note here, trying to break free from Satan's grasp with self-efforts, and our own methods cannot work. We need to apply the perfect, complete, conquering works of Jesus, who has already defeated the enemy. Yes, that's true. And he gives John 16 and 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He has conquered every problem you've got and every enemy you've got. In 1 John 4 and 4, we are of God, my little children. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. So we have to lean on he that is in us. We don't live anymore. Christ lives in us. Preaching, this is my thoughts now, preaching morality is not enough. The church needs to use the powerful promises of God uh, in the real good news with the authority that Jesus has given to us. Luke 10 and 19 says, Behold, I've given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall in any wise hurt you. Colossians 1 and 13, who delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So we have power over serpents, right? It's the Lord. Our faith has to be in Him and not in ourselves. Another man who was far away and fell into the swamp while crossing a bridge to get to Zion, he has in parenthesis, that had a broken floor panel. Well, a fault in this man's spiritual walk by deception of religion caused him to stumble like many. Most don't make it to Zion. The bridge broke and he fell into the swamp. He swam quickly and thrashing and moving, making a lot of noise. He nearly got to the edge of the swamp, and the same swamp creature grabbed him. Immediately he cried out for help, but nothing worked. He was then desperate and then screamed, Jesus, I'm sorry, help me. I know I don't pray much at all, but I need help. Well, we, I know that the cry for mercy uh, and help moves God's heart. Suddenly, a bright light shone on him from above, and the creature released the grip and sunk into the swamp. The man then got out and fell on his face in worship. First John 1 and 9, 
If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Romans 10 and 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Another man was nearby, and he saw what had happened to the previous men, but still decided to continue through the area, trudging through the swamp without any care at all. Halfway through, he too succumbed to this creature, but he did not resist nor cry out for help. He just went limp, and the creature took a very long time and moved very slowly to squeeze him. It almost looked like the frog in a cool pot of water that had been slowly heated up to a boil. Oh, my goodness. We know about that, right? Okay, well, that's true. There are people that succumb to the Babylonish distractions and demons very slowly taking them over and out. But we know that God Almighty has already provided for us to be free. Ask the Lord to deliver you from not only Babylon, but the distractions of Babylon. Ask Him to deliver you and put it in your heart to study His words of eternal life. They have eternal value. Whatever state you die in depicts and tells us what your eternal essence will be like. Everybody doesn't have the same body. The Bible is very clear. We're given a body in heaven uh, according to what we have attained to as far as 30, 60, and 100-fold fruit of Jesus on the earth. And so there's only one thing important here. All those excuses that we heard about uh, were keeping people from having a mature life in heaven, an eternal mature life in heaven. Even the closeness of Jesus in heaven is because of the situation that a person has grown to as far as the 30, 60, and 100-fold. So every, there's a reward for everything. Some people say there's no difference of reward. They haven't read the Bible. They just haven't read it. They don't know what they're talking about. There is a great difference of reward. And some won't even make it because they might have entered with 30-fold uh, in their spirit, but um, they didn't keep it. There's a lot of Christians that are just as mean as they want to be because they're once saved, always saved, or... But some other reason, you know, they're just mean as they can be. They don't have the fruit of Jesus. So repent. Run after the Lord. Be delivered of all these things that uh, hold us back, distract us, and so on. Thank you so much, Father, for this teaching and revelation, Lord. We can see that the corruption is all over the world. It's all through the apostate church, which is everywhere. Um, it's everywhere. We, we can only trust in one thing. That is your word and you. And Lord, help us to put these in our hearts so we might recognize the false from the true 
and uh, and not be not be trapped into these religions or uh, desires of the flesh that are Babylonish too. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you and keep you saints. Thank you for what you have heard today. We pray that Lord will bring it all to your remembrance. And of course, you can study this a little more. I I gave a lot of verses for the reasons I was saying what I was saying, but you can go and look all them verses up. You can. All right. God bless you and keep you. Bye-bye. Can quench my thirsting soul Pure as water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh, Jesus, I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea Though the rivers rise, I still believe For your mercy stands and your word is true Oh, Jesus, I trust in you And when I face that darkest night What will be my guiding light? The shining rays of red and white Jesus, I trust in you heart in you I find mercy seated for all time I am yours and you are mine oh Jesus I trust in you though the mountains fall into the sea though the rivers rise I still believe for your mercy stands and your word is true oh Jesus I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea Though the rivers rise I still believe For your mercy stands and your word is true